Good morning, everybody. It's great to see all of your wonderful faces. Thank you for joining with us. I'm just having a little bit of technical difficulties with my tablet this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, we'll go ahead and get you ready. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to um, 2 Timothy chapter 3 as we're getting started here. The title of this message is called Messy World. Lord. Messy World. How many of us know we live in a messy world? Yep, yep. All right. Stuff's not loading up. You guys doing good? Yeah. Good. Good to see all you guys. They're taking forever to load. This is why, this is why you need a regular Bible. Second Timothy chapter 3. Oh, Jesus. Well, while you're loading, I'll remind the women that a new Bible study starts oh, yeah. Wednesday, this Wednesday at 10 o'clock. It's uh, We Over Me. It looks like it's from the Oh, excellent. From Re the churches in Revelation. Hearing to our churches in Revelation. Ooh, sounds good. I find these helpful to study. Ooh, I judge. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the one thing that I love about our Lord and the one thing I love about the spirit of the Lord is, is when you are in sync with God, when you're in sync with the Lord, most likely you don't have like your own special revelation that God has deposited to you for everybody else to hear. And it's only yours alone. The Lord, <laughs> okay, I don't think God would ever do that to a single person. Their head would get so big they could probably will barrel them out, you know, of this house because it'd be so big, it'd be so heavy. Um, but what we see happen is when God's speaking something, he speaks it collectively. And, and the thing that always blows my mind over and over again is when God has a word or he shares something and there's a theme about it and you hear it, maybe you listen to a podcast, maybe Maybe you visit another church and they're saying it. Maybe there's something that God's been speaking to. I mean, so every time, so I just love the fact that, that this whole message, I had something totally different planned. And then this morning I woke up and it was like, I just don't feel like I'm supposed to do that one. You know what I mean? And uh, then I'm like, then I'm, then I have this like moment of crisis. Cause now I'm like, <laughs> okay, I don't have anything, Lord. I don't know what you want me to share. And, uh, and God is so faithful because it's like, you know, five o'clock in the morning. It's like, you know, we have church and I'm like, I'm not supposed to preach this. This other thing that I've been preparing, I'm not quite ready with it yet. So now I'm just kind of stuck. And I think God likes to do that to mess with me. Um, <laughs> because it makes it about him. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not relying on my gifting or my talent or my study or my, but it truly makes me come to a place where I'm, I'm reliant on him. And by the grace of God, I've been doing ministry for 20 years, and he always continues to remind me that it's about him. And so, uh, so then it was immediately, as soon as I said, God, I need a word this morning. It was like, boom, messy world, boom, 2 Timothy 3. I mean, it was just like that simple. You know, so messy world, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it goes right along with everything that God was saying today. That's what I'm saying. It just blows my mind. You know what I mean? So God is so good. Okay, we're reading out of the ESV. It'll be up on the screens. Verse 1 through 9. And as, before we get into this, I just want to pray because I 
thank God for his word. God, we thank you for your word. God, it's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word changes lives. God, we thank you that your word transforms hearts. God, we look into your world, into your word as a mirror today, God, to reflect our hearts, not to use it as a sword to cut others, but God, would you pierce my heart with your word today. In Jesus' name and all the saints in the house of God said, amen. amen. All right. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one through nine. It says, but understand this, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Say difficulty. Verse two. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, verse 3, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, Swollen with conceit. That's just, I like that. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Have you ever been in a place where maybe there was somebody that you didn't like, or maybe you just had a hard time with, and you were in the grocery aisle, and you saw them down at the <laughs> other end of the aisle, and instead of going down that aisle, you decided to turn to the right. Have you ever, has anyone ever done that? Am I confessing my own to anyone? Has, what did you just do? You avoided that person, right? I was like, I, I just don't want to see them at this moment. I'm just not ready, right? <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> if you have never done that, you're a liar because I know you have. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't in a grocery store, but it was someplace where you did one of those numbers. You didn't want them seeing you, right? Okay, on purpose, right? It was on purpose. You avoided them. One of the same context gives us this list of all of these things, and it says, avoid such people. Verse 6, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women. I'm so glad I got me a strong woman. <laughs> Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as, and he gives these two names of these people. Opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far. For their folly will, will be plain to awe as was that of these two men. So he's, so he's saying in the last days it's going to be all of this stuff. We're going to see all of these things. And then just even says, hey, look, man, these two guys, even with Moses, they were in folly. They were trying to lead people astray. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a moment and uh, literally our whole rest of today is going to be taking this, these set of verses and just kind of going line by line. Um, so it's just a little bit different. Of a, we're going into almost like a study today on Sunday instead of like three points and a poem and encouragement and blessing. We're going to dive into the word. Is that OK? Yeah. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Okay, good. Good, because uh, sometimes people have a hard time with it. Other times people love it. So it's like you never can tell. Some people are like, yeah, finally, the kind of preaching I like. And other people are like, oh, man, I'm about to fall asleep. So, all right. So we're going to break this down. You'll see everything will be on the screens for you. It'll be real easy. So we're going to go to the very first, very first verse here in chapter 3 of Timothy. 
it says, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, right? Difficulty. You can go ahead and put that on the screens. I mean, we are living in a time of difficulty, aren't we? I mean, we have COVID-19. I mean, there's wars, there's abortion. I mean, there's just so much stuff going on in our world today. There's an anti-Christ culture. It's against God. I mean, we live in a, we live in just, I mean, to live for God now is definitely a lot more difficult than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you know, 40 years ago. You know I mean? They, I mean, they've had great movements. You've got Jesus movement and, and, uh, you know, the Billy Graham things. I mean, millions of getting saved. I mean, so, so we live in difficult times, don't we? You know, one of the lies that are, is often believed is that, and my wife says it all the time, you know, that when you commit your life to Christ, everything's going to be perfect. And then it's, you know, butterflies and rainbows and buttercups and sliding down, you know. And it's not actually, to be honest, when you commit your life to Christ, it becomes more difficult. Because now you're actually against the world, the, the prince of the world, demons. Now you actually have a target on your back because now you're fighting against a system. Does that make sense? So it actually becomes more difficult. And that's why uh, uh, scripture talks about that the cares of this world and the difficulty and all this. And, and that there are people that fall away because of the difficulty. So he's just letting. So, uh, so Paul is telling Timothy, also telling to us, reminding us that times will be difficult. And he, all he's doing is just reiterating what Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 33. And he said this. This should be on the screens, right? Okay, good. Yep. It says, I've said these things to you. That in me you may have peace. You can have peace in the middle of difficulty. We can have peace in the middle of trials. We can think of this. If Jesus himself can sleep in a death, in a storm in which the, the, the apostles thought they were going to die, right? So, I mean, it was like one of those death storms. And he can sleep in the middle of that. Friends, he calls us to have that same type of peace. Amen. That we can have peace when everything is going chaotic. It says, in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have struggle. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Amen. Come on, that's a powerful promise, friends. Yeah, so difficulty, right? Number one, I mean, it just reminds us we're going to have difficulty. But then we're reminded, Jesus said, yes, you're going to have difficulty. But be of good heart. Another translation would say, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. That's amazing, isn't it? We don't like difficulty, but we will have peace through it. Amen. Amen. All right, going into verse 2, we're going to kind of break down each and every one of these little lines. The first thing it talks about in this passage of Scripture is the love of self. The love of self. I mean, just thinking of the time we live in with social media. And again, I'm going to say all these things, and I'm not, I'm not demonizing any of them, Okay. Look at your neighbor say, he's not demonizing these things, okay? But I see these things being used in such a selfish manner, okay? Right? I mean, we have social media, right? I mean, there's self-care. There's, there's, there's better yourself books. I mean, there's better yourself churches. I mean, I mean there's, this, there's this whole focus on you making yourself better. I would say, <laughs> under the grace of God... That we've come into a culture of self-love. It's about us. Right? I mean, think of this. I mean, people go to church for themselves. 
And then if you go to a church that's for themselves and all the message and everything is about you, you think that everything is about you. I mean, I've heard some of my, some of my uh, uh, I guess you'd call them mentors of old, I remember, and I used to just think that they were like, you know, oh, they're just old and stuffy. They're like, I love those old songs that are just about Jesus and not about us. And I said, and I said, you know what? You know, I mean, I like them all. But the older I've gotten, the more I've become more like that. You know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm like, I just, songs that just, that just give him what he's due. Not that, you know, not the songs like, like where we're talking about the overwhelming love of God. I mean, that still is about him. And it's our, you know, how we stand before him, you know. So anyways, self-love right? Bettering yourself. Is the gospel about the goodness of our life or the goodness of God? (laughs) Is the gospel about how good you can be or is it about how good our God is? Come on. It's called the good news, not that you're being good now. The good news is about what Christ did for us and how good our God is. Say amen right there. So so, So the gospel completely defies Love of self or self-love. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. It says that we are to love God with all of our heart, right? All of our soul, all of our mind. And if you go into Luke, they even add all of our strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So you are supposed to love yourself. Okay, you can't give to someone that you don't have for yourself. The problem is, is when the love of self triumphs over everything else, right? Okay. I mean, you got to take care of yourself. Don't get me wrong. Again, I'm not demonizing this, but I've just seen this shift where everything has become about self-love, man. And so we just got to continue to keep our focus on Christ, right? Keep our focus on him. All right. Verse two, we're still going verse two. So the love of self, and then we go into the love of money. The love of money. Mm-hmm. Paper chasing. You ever heard that before? Paper chasing. That is some 90s stuff. <laughs> Sorry. I just got aged. <laughs> just got aged. I'm going to make you say it. Go ahead and say it. Say paper chasing. Yeah, buddy. Brought you back to the 90s. Chasing that paper. The love of money. I mean, there is... There has never been a time that I've seen in my 42 years of living where, where all, all of these things are about wealth, building wealth, making yourself a, a millionaire, making yourself uh, wealthy, doing all this stuff about you and money. I've never seen, I mean, there's, there's books and seminars and classes and I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, social media. So I mean, I get, I mean, on Facebook, I mean, there's, I mean, it's like every day there's some sort of a video saying, you know, how to be successful, how to be a millionaire and all this other stuff. And all of these people who are making money off this because they're tapping into this thing called the love of, say it, the love of money, right? Absolutely. The scripture talks about how people kill and steal and covet and destroy for this thing. But we're given instructions in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Another translation would say the love of money is the root of all evil. Right? It is through this craving, say craving, that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pains. When Jesus is talking about the parable of the seed, 
And the one that it says, it says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the plant and make it unfruitful. It's the love of money. Now, now this is the, the, the amazing thing about our God. The amazing thing about our God is when you commit your life to Christ, he makes us successful. Don't get me wrong. He absolutely does. He says, right? It says in the book of, of Joshua, it's one of my favorite, right? Then when you study the book of the law, you will be prosperous and successful. Uh, uh, thank you. For, uh, we got, I had one person that laughed at my little mini joke. You know, it's one of my favorite books, obviously, the book of Joshua. <laughs> Studying the book of the law will make you prosperous and successful in all you do. Right? So there is, there's prosperity when you yield yourself in Christ. He just does that. But what can happen is, again, there's like, it's called deception. Say deception. deception. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, you know, in our men's uh, breakfast yesterday, um, my brother Ivan talked a bit, a, a little bit about it. And, um, you know, I mean, we've, it's sad to me that when I first got saved, I used to watch, I used to watch a lot of uh, televangelists when I first got saved. And TBN and all those good shows, right? And um, there used to be, there used to be uh, somebody that I, we used to watch all the time, and I really admired, and man, I just always thought, man, they were a good preacher, and they always had a great word and message, and I remember it was a few times I, like, you know, my little 18-year-old self, you know, like, sent them, like, money, like $25 or whatever, and, and then later on, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was 2017, because I think it was around 2017. I don't know even how I've even seen this guy on TV again, and, um, and they were like, Give your seed of 20,017 for the year 2017. And man, my heart broke. It broke. Because I'm like, I admired this guy. You know, man, I looked, I looked up to this guy. I thought, you know, successful ministry. And now it's about money. Man, sad. So sad. Love of money. It's the root of all kinds of evil. You guys still with me? All right. Number, we're still in verse two here. After the love of money, he talked about these people that were proud. Now, if you look up the word pride in the, de in the dictionary, you're going to find something that looks like this. It's going to say feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievement, qualities or possessions, showing or have excessive or high opinion of oneself or one's importance. So if you're proud... You have a high opinion of yourself. You have a high opinion about all the stuff you've done. You usually show off all the stuff you've done. Think of this. Think of in scripture when there was the one king and what did he do? Uh, after the Lord spared him and, and rescued him from death and from sickness, what did he do? He went and showed off all of his treasury to some of the uh, neighborhood kings. And it hurt God's heart. It's like, man, I gave you an extra 15 years and now here you are boasting about all your accomplishments. Ooh, how the mighty have fallen, right? We all can do it. Proud, pride, ouch. Yes, right? Yes, Lord, help me. Just put your hand on yourself. Say, help me, Lord. <laughs> help me, Lord. I don't want to be, I don't want to boast in my own uh, achievements and qualities. Not that we aren't, you know what I mean? I mean, if you, you know, when you graduate, yeah, celebrate. Yeah, come on. You go back to school, celebrate. Yes. But man, but we just, just, you know, just remind yourself that it's by the grace of God. Amen. I love what it says in the book of Deuteronomy, because he already knew this. He said, when you build wealth for yourself, 
He said, and you, and you say, look at all that I've done. He says, be reminded it was the Lord that gave you the strength to build the wealth for yourself. Just reminded them that, you know what? You're going to start thinking, man, look at me. Look at my stuff. Look what I've done. But it was my strength that I gave you to do that. So proud, right? Oof. That's the one that I'm always like, you got to die, pride. Like, seriously, man, I'm, I'm serious. And the reason why is because of, of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, which says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The last thing I need is God to say, uh, uh, okay, son, I'm, I'm, I'm opposing you now. Nope. <laughs> I got enough opposition, <laughs> right? Shoot. I mean, I mean, I'm already fighting the flesh. I'm already fighting the sinful nature. I'm already fighting the devil. I'm already fighting all of these battles, right? I'm fighting to have a good marriage. I'm fighting to have, you know, uh, healthy kids. I'm fighting for all of these things. You know, we're fighting for the people of God. We're struggling with one another. The last thing I need on top of all that is God fighting me too. <laughs> So, that, so the reason I, I, I cast down that pride and continue to make myself humble is because I need that grace that comes with those who are humble. Amen. And it says, clothe yourself with humility. I wish it was just a gift that he automatically gives you. It would be so amazing, right? I mean, think of it. What if it, was one, what if it was one of the 1 Corinthians 12 spiritual gifts? Right? He gave you tongues. He gave you interpretation. He gave you humility. Like, bam. Like, you didn't, it would be amazing, right? Just like, man, look it. I'm just like humble and it's a gift. No. <laughs> you have to clothe. <laughs> so, right. That's some old school right there. So proud to be humble. So proud to be humble. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility. So it's an attitude that we put on ourselves, right? You getting this? Yeah, All right. And it's funny because going, uh, to coincide with pride is this little word in verse 2 called being arrogant. Okay? <laughs> Which is very similar. And if you looked it up in the translation of the dictionary, it will say, having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own importance or abilities. Have you ever known somebody that was... Just cocky, right? That's what we used to call it back in the day. Do you guys still say that? You're like, that person's, I still say it. Like, man, they're just cocky. Like, that's what we used to call it. I don't know what, what, what you guys call it now. What do you call it, young person? Somebody, I need, I need, a, I need a, y, a zier, a wire, an, a, not an Xer, a millennial. What do they call it now? What's the word we used to say cocky? One of the Hesters. What do you say? Anybody that's a young person. Somebody over here. You have no clue? Like if somebody is like arrogant, you don't have a name for them? Pompous. That's old school though. I need a new school word. Right? That's... Okay. You have homework. Learn that word, the new word, and tell me. <laughs> Learn it. I'm so disappointed in my young people today. Oh my Lord. You guys always like keep me on my toes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, we'll get, well, okay, yeah, you're working on college. We'll give that to you. We'll let you. So, you know, the know-it-all, the person that's always right. You know, they're just that arrogant person, right? Pompous. It just sounds funny, doesn't it? Pompous. <laughs> Having or revealing an exaggerated sense of one's own abilities, right? One's own importance. Being arrogant. Now, so again, you know, when you, you're like, look at all the stuff I've done. And then I'm reminded, again, in Scripture... John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus says this. Say Jesus. Jesus. He says this. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> Arrogance is you're just going to 
you know, look at all I've done. Humility is, man, I can do nothing apart from Christ. What my life looks like away from the Lord is ugly. Nasty. That arrogance. We're still in verse 2 here. We're going to go to the next word here. You guys still with me? I think we're doing pretty good. Let's see. We're on on slide 12 of 30. (laughs) That's not a lie. I'm serious. We're getting there. Let me, let me just, let me stay on, I'll stay on, if I stay on text, we'll be good. I think I can pull this off. I can pull this off in, in like 25 minutes. Okay, verse two, abusive. Abusive, if you look that up in the, in the dictionary, it's just going to basically say wrong treatment of someone else. It says in the last days, people are going to be abusive. They're going to treat others wrong. I mean, think of this. I mean, I mean you, have young, you have old people who've worked their whole life, have built wealth for themselves, and they get a scam phone call, and they're getting scammed out of their money. That's abusive, and that's sad stealing money from, from an old woman or old man or, or old person who doesn't know any better. And they, I mean, they've worked so hard their whole life and some, some, somebody's scamming them out of thousands of dollars. That's just ridiculous. Man, I'm telling you, there's times, man, that North Toledo hoodside, man, I just gotta slap somebody. I mean, it's like, seems like when it comes to like old people, come on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, don't pick on old people. Shoo, what's wrong with people nowadays? Anyways. I see, this is why I got to stay in it. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. <laughs> you know, treating someone else, you know, wrong. Luke chapter 6, verse 31, right? It's the golden rule. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. So, you know, people are going to be abusive in their actions, verbal abuse, emotional, mental. I mean, there's churches that spiritually abuse people. Lord, have mercy. Take advantage of others. And the Lord says, treat others as we want to be treated, right? Okay. Verse, we're still in verse two here. There's only a few verses, but this is verse two. The next one is disobedient to parents. Ooh, and every parent just started like, yeah, okay, get them, right? Is your child in here? Let me look at them. No. (laughs) I mean, we have, you know, teen rebellion. I mean, we've got, we've got parents who are uninvolved. I mean, there's just... We just, we're just living in a messy world, aren't we? We're living in a messy world. Um, obviously, uh, this is coinciding with the commandment with a promise. The fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother, and you will live a long life in whom the, Lord, the land the Lord your God will give you. Right? Honoring your father and mother. I, you know what? I, I, I claim that promise. I'm like, Lord, I claim that promise. If you tarry, you know, I'm going to do my best to honor my father and mother. Because people are going to be disobedient. They're not going to honor. I mean, I, mean, there's, I mean, there's videos out there of kids slapping their parents. I just, I just felt the heat rise in this room as I said that. Like, you, like, could you, can you imagine... I mean, you know, nobody in this room, but somebody else in some other room. Could you imagine if your child thought they could put their hands on you? I'd be digging a grave the next day. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> have them dig their own grave, right? I mean, I mean, this is just the world we live in, right? I mean, what was, we had this old saying, I'm going to say this and I'm going to get back on it, right? How many of your mamas said this? Mine did, a lot. I brought you into this world. Finish it off. And I can take you out. And my mom could. 
<laughs> Probably still can. <laughs> so I've just learned to be faster. So he just run. She's got to run. Oh, my mom knows how to shoot. So anyways. <laughs> I know. It's... Yes, she is. I'm like, okay, I see this. Yeah, she's going, amen. I'm still going to get you. Disobedience to parent. The next one. And we see this. Verse 2, ungrateful. It's when obviously you don't show gratitude. Um, man, you know what? I've just seen such a rise in ungratefulness nowadays. I mean, think of this. I mean, I mean, there are people who are working fast food restaurants for us. And slaving and, and sweating in these hot environments. So that we can get a quick burger, a quick fry, a quick sandwich. And there's people that are just, they call them Karens. And, you know, I mean, I mean I've seen video after video, you know, of, of people like throwing their cups back in at the people and, and screaming and hooting and hollering. Just ungrateful, right? Say ungrateful. ungrateful. Right? They, they're acting like that towards a person that's on the other side, but they're not in there making the food. Right? Come on, man. I mean, it's just ungrateful. And it all kind of ties in with itself, right? Loving ourselves and being proud and arrogant. And we just, and that in the last days, people will be ungrateful. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Just reminding us again that we need to be thankful. Do you know that there is someone in this world that has it worse off than you? And there's somebody in this world that has it 10 times worse off than you. The next one, verse 2. Again, unholy. The word unholy was, is just a word that means not set apart for God, living as the world does. Because when you're holy, you set yourself apart on to God. First John chapter 2. I told you we got a lot of scripture here. We're actually moving along a lot faster here now. First, as long as I stay on task. First John chapter 2 verse 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, how many times do we say, you don't love the world, don't love the world, you know? Do not be lovers of the world. But then there's a little part that says, do not love anything in the world. I know, I know, that hit me too when I was, re I was like, oh man, think of, think of all the, the stuff we enjoy. Yeah, you can enjoy stuff. Do you love it? Mm. Oh, heart pierce, right? <laughs> Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Whew. Look at your neighbor and say, ouch. That's a hurtful one, right? It's, it's, it's being unholy. Unholy is not set apart from God and loving the world or living as the world does. And that's why he just, uh, just reminds us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, because it is so important for us to live holy. So important. Holy means set apart, right? You're dedicated unto God. Just like if you're in this room and you're married, you, your marriage is considered holy because what it is, is it's a dedication of you and your spouse together and alone, right? And in the same context, the Lord has called himself the bride and, or, and has called or he's called himself the groom, and is called the body of Christ, the bride. That we are set apart for him. Okay? And so, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. 
It's almost a clause, but it's so important. And to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I believe that's twofold. I believe if you're living unholy, I believe you have a hard time in your prayer time and your spiritual walk now. You wonder why your prayers are, are it seems like they're hitting the ceiling and, and why, why you can't have breakthrough and why, why every time you're, you're just hitting roadblocks, it's because you're not living set apart. Right? I mean... So, so you're not going to see God. You're not going to see God move because you're basically saying, yes, I've dedicated myself to the Lord by, by, by word alone. But then your actions aren't saying that. Right? If my wife said she was committed to me and then every uh, weekend she was off having affairs with every other guy. I, what, what right do I have to provide and protect and be everything I'm supposed to be to her? Now, I'm not saying that, that, that Christ will completely abandon you. But if you're not living dedicated unto him, we're wondering why we can't. See God. And then on top of that. The most scariest one of all. Is when we stand before him. In eternity. How are you going to see him then? He will say I did not. Know you. And that word know is a spiritual intimacy. The way that Adam knew Eve. When they. Consummated their marriage. Look it up in the, look it up in the Greek. I never. Or. Keep, no, it's the Greek in the New Testament. Um, I did not know you in the book of Matthew, for your works were unauthorized. That word know is the same as the Hebrew word. Okay? All right. Verse three, heartless. We're going to just keep going because I got more to go. Is this good? You guys like this? Like I said, it's a little bit different. Okay? Good. Heartless. Displaying a lack or feeling of consideration, having a hard heart. It's the opposite of kindness, friends. Heartless. Have you ever seen somebody that just had a, a lack of feeling or consideration for others? I mean, just hard, right? Well, I don't care. Well, you know, that's not bothering me any. Well, that's just them. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 8, just gives us a reminder not to harden our hearts as the People of God did back in the wilderness. It says, do not harden your heart as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Just reminding us because if our heart, if we allow our heart to be hard, we will actually finding ourselves becoming heartless. We don't give a, uh, you don't give a flying rip is what I was going to say. But I don't know if you guys are ready for that. I don't think you guys are ready for that. Promise you, I don't cuss. Promise. I know. I say, I do say flying rip. It's fun. <laughs> Wood cussing. Try it sometime. I mean, it's like almost like the same thing. No, if you, no, if you, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Sorry, sorry. I know, I know. Just say, okay. And I get him back. Come back to me, friends, please. Let's just get back in the, all right. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to get a whooping after this message. I already know it. I feel it. I know my mom's going to be the first one. Okay. Um, it's when you just don't care about people, right? Like, as I said, a flying rip. Like, you just don't, like, you're, you, it's, you don't care. Like, so what? Being heartless, right? You just, you have no kindness in your heart. And it says in the scripture, in the end times, that people are going to be heartless. They're not going to care. They're not going to have consideration of others or feel any kind of empathy or sympathy for others. 
And they don't just automatically become that. It's just things that began to happen where they began to harden their hearts. And difficulty or trial happen in their life and they turn their heart away from God. Even the people of God, that's why it says in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, is just reminding us that, that when they were going through trials, instead of drawing into the Lord and saying, God, I need you more, they said, no, God, it's all your fault. You're the one who brought us out here and you're the one who did all this. Whew. Lord, no, right? Uh, no. Heartless. Okay, so the next one here. Verse 3. Unappeasable. Oh man, these type of people, right? They're not pacified. They're not satisfied. They're impossible to please. I'm so glad I don't work in customer service because this would drive me nuts. I mean, think of this. I mean, there used to be a thing where they say the customer's all always right. Not anymore. Because the customer can be, can be a jerk. <laughs> I mean, there's just some people, they're just impossible to please. What is that with that? Well, I mean, are you living at such a level... <laughs> Lord, there's people like that. There's people like that. First Timothy chapter 6 just reminds us in, in chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. If you have a lot, be thankful. If you have a little, be thankful. If you have nothing, be thankful. Verse 7, and I... I, I Never share this part, but this is just goes right along with it. And I love this. I'm just like, you came in with, with nothing, you're going to leave with nothing. I mean, think of this. All of the, the uh, Egyptian pharaohs thought that if they buried all their treasure with them, that they were taking it into the afterlife. Well, archaeologists proved them wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> Money stayed. Continue on here. Verse 3. Slanderous. Ooh, this is probably one of the worst. Slanderous. I mean, we live in a time where everyone has a voice and an opinion. I mean, there's just, I mean, people just mutilate people's names and re re reputation like it's nothing nowadays. There's just such great slander. And it's become perfectly acceptable in our society to go out and voice your opinion about someone else's name, action, attitude, or their um, reasoning for doing it. It's straight slander, folks. We used to have this saying back in the 90s. I got to just keep going back to the 90s for you, right? Right? If I'm not involved, right? Keep, keep my name out your mouth. Right? Right? If you're not involved. I mean, I just thought of that. I was like, you know, I mean, we said that's like this was this belief, right? Right? Keep their name. If you're not involved, keep their name out your mouth. Keep their name out your mouth. I mean, you can make it a song. Like if, like if you are not personally invested into their life and have a relationship with them, keep their name out your mouth. I wish the, I mean, I mean, if the world got this, it would be so much easier. I would actually enjoy watching the news. I mean, because it's just terrible. Slander. James chapter 3, verse six, uh, 14 through 16 uh, it talks about all of these different things and jealousy and selfish ambition and having all these things. And it says it's earthly and spiritual and demonic. Selfish, jealousy, existing, disorder, every vile practice. Let me tell you, slander is of Satan. It's his language. So when we slander others, we're actually talking the tongue of the devil. Slander. So it's so very important for us to shut our mouths. 
<laughs> and that we would have the very next thing, which is verse three, self-control. Because <laughs> we're gonna li- there's gonna be a time when people will have no self-control. I mean, think of road rage. How many of us have ever been a victim of road rage? Raise your hand. Yeah. Raise it high. Okay, time for confession. How many of us have been the ones causing the road rage? It happens. It happens. It happens. There's, there's, it, on accident. No, it's on purpose, right? How dare they cut us off, right? I'll tell you, here, let me, let me share just, just one real quick, just real fast. I remember one time I was getting onto the expressway, getting onto the expressway on, on the south ramp when it was like, uh, before they redid it and it was like super, uh, uh, scary because like, seriously, like you, you go, you're going up this ramp, uh, on a bridge and it's like immediately you're getting into, you're getting into the, the, the traffic and you have semi trucks that are going 70 miles per hour. And so you gotta like, you gotta get up that ramp and you gotta go fast so that you can match your speed and get over as fast as you can. Well, there was this person in front of me that was going so slow that we're getting on. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to get into a crash. I'm like, what is going on with this person? Why can't they go faster? And I'm like seeing these semis flying by and I'm like, we're going to, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, what the heck is they, what are they doing? And then I pull over and I'm like upset and I look over and it's a little old lady. I was like, oh, I got so, yeah, I got so, I know I got a soft spot for old people. I was like, oh, why'd you get so upset? They like, they barely made it onto the expressway. Why am I so upset? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it probably took them 15 minutes to get into the car. So, you know, I'm, so I, you know what I mean? Like, seriously, like perspective, right? Perspective. Yeah, that's right. Perspective, no self-control. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, it says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. The Lord can give us self-control. He can give me self-control. He can give you self-control. I used to tell people on our South Seattle campus, when you want to give people, when you want to give people the finger, just put up the other finger. Like, like just, just the second one, just give them the deuces. Like, you know, peace to you in the name of Jesus. You know, (laughs) just, 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 just add, just add that first pointer finger. Just. Just practice it. When it wants to come up, just get them both up. Okay, moving on. Verse three, brutal. Whoa, we're halfway there. Living on. Okay, no, uh, we're we're more than halfway there. No, yeah. Brutal. First Peter chapter three, verse nine talks about you know basically brutal means savagely violent. Um, the scripture says, "Do not repay evil uh, for evil, or do not repay evil." Or reviling, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, uh, for this is what you're called, that you may obtain a blessing. There's actually, it's kind of crazy, when, when people treat us with evil and we treat them good, we actually will receive a blessing. And yeah. Brutal. Next one, because we've got to move along. Verse 3, not loving good. We're called to love good. Did you know that? We're called to be lovers of good. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe to those who called evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We're living in a day like that. We're living in a day like that. They're calling evil good and good evil. And people are being and and people are being desensitized to evil. I mean, I love good movies, but I'm seeing all these movies where now the villain is becoming the hero. Right? 
that person like was a mass murderer. But we're going to hear his backstory and how they became a mass murderer. And they have some pity on them. But who cares all the people they slaughtered? Again, I love good movies, but I've just seen this whole shift of we want to make the villain the hero. Okay? <laughs> and I've seen those movies. I've seen them right with you guys. Not loving good. Next one, treacherous. I like that word, treacherous. Guilty of involving betrayal or deception. Friends, in order for us not to be someone who's going to betray or be involved in deception, take advantage of people. I talked about those, you know, those calls, those money thieves, the robocalls, all that other stuff. I just tell them when they call. I mean, I, I ignore a lot of them. I just don't even answer. But sometimes I just say, I'm sorry, I'm not interested. Goodbye. Boom. Sorry, I'm not interested. I don't need to hear the spiel and, you know, just because people are taking advantage of people. Jesus said that, we, that, are, that we're not to be deceived, right? We need the Spirit of God and we need wisdom. Reckless, number, uh, chapter uh, 4 talks about reckless. It means without thinking or caring about consequences. The, we, the, the way we remedy recklessness and reckless living and reckless uh, thinking is by having wisdom. Look at your neighbor say wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, ask God because he's going to give it to you because you need it. Right? And then we're going to that fun one, swole with, can't speak, swollen with conceit, having vain or excessive, excessively proud of oneself, a person full of themselves. They're swollen with conceit. They're full of themselves. Friends, the scripture talks about us being full of the Holy Spirit, not full of ourselves. Look at your neighbor. Say, be full of the Holy Spirit. Not full of yourself. James chapter, uh, or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 talks about that. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep moving on here. Uh, verse 3 talks about lovers of pleasure. Okay? Lovers of pleasure. That in the end times we be lovers of pleasure. I mean, we have just seen this influx in, in sex and pleasure. If you go and you look into what that actual, that word, that word pleasure uh, in, the, in the Greek actually has to do with with uh, sexual desires and pleasure and, you know, and all these type of things, okay? Self-centered living does not produce happiness, right? If you're living only for yourself, I mean, I mean there's studies that, that show that, okay? We live in a culture where even now Christians can be obsessed with comfort and pleasure. God is more concerned with our obedience than our happiness. I think so too. But the thing is, is when you're actually obedient, you'll be happy. Sometimes our own pleasure, our own happiness, our own desire for this can supersede our love for God. And uh, that's why, and then we, put our, we invest our money and our energy and our time in it. And this is why the Lord uh, said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So, man, lovers of pleasure. And then this final one, and we're, 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 we've, we've come around to fourth base, friends. Fourth base, which means home run. We made home. Right? Because obviously there's three bases and then the home plate. So I'm like, I'm like, we're home now. Okay, we're home. Not, we're not still trying to get home. The last verse, verse 5, it says, appearance of godliness and denying its power. So friends, think of this. I mean, I mean we live in a day where, where people uh, are, are trying to make you feel good. I've got to have a word. I've got to have a revelation. I got to have all these things. And there are people that by appearance, say appearance, by appearance, they look godly. 
But really they're not. It's for show. They're living lives that are unchanged. And that's what this whole scripture has to do. There are people that are going to appear godly. They're going to look like they got it together. But really they're living lives that are unchanged. Because if you are unchanged, you are denying the power of the gospel that transforms lives, that changes hearts, that completely turns people into different, into a whole different and new person. First, ten, uh, first Samuel chapter 6, uh, uh, chapter 10 verse 6 uh, Samuel is, is speaking and prophetically uh, prophesying to Saul before he's king. It said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you powerfully and you will prophesy with him and you will be changed into a different person. When the word of God and the spirit of God is upon your life, it will transform you as it has transformed me and turn us into a different person. Amen. Amen. And it was in, the, in, the, in the last days, there are going to be people, they're going to appear godly, but they're not going to live Changed and transformed lives. Scary, isn't it? You will be different. I will be different. Amen? Amen. That's it, friends. We just broke down that all of those verses there. I'm going to pray for us today. I know it's like boom, boom, boom. I'm going to pray for us today. Because we're living in a messy world. Right? And he talks about all these things and all these what people are going to be. And it can be, and the reason instruction is given to us in scripture, because that is what we can be if we're not careful. Right. right? So father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you that your power, your blood, God, your spirit, God, it does. It changes, it transforms, it penetrates, makes us a new person. The scripture says, God, that, that we will be changed into a different person. And Lord, I believe your word. And I believe that you want to change hearts even in this room. God, would you change our attitudes about certain things? God, thank you that your work in us isn't like you just expect all these things. But just like a small child, God, it's just incremental growth. And God, we just want to surrender ourselves to you and say, God, would you help us to grow to become more like you? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, give us peace in our difficulty. Give us strength in our trials. God, turn our, our tests into testimonies, God. Turn our trials into triumph, Lord. You are the champion. You want it all for us. That we can walk holy, that we can walk in victory, that we can walk uprightly as sons and daughters of God. And if we've been falling short, if we've been failing, if we've been messing up and royally screwing up, we just repent right now. We confess our sin to you, Lord, right where we're at, right where you're sitting, that you just make that confession before the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm sorry, and I turn. That's what, that's what true repentance is. Lord, I choose to turn from this. I choose to turn my heart to you, God. I choose to turn my direction towards you, God. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. I'm going to speak a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.